Tonight we're going to continue where we left off the last time in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you would, please go in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We're going to go to chapter 6 of Ephesians. And we're going to continue uh, our study on how to keep your freedom. The Bible says that it was for freedom that Christ set you free. No longer to be subject to the yoke of bondage. Dice la Escritura que fue para la libertad que Jesús nos ha hecho libre. Para no regresar a la esclavitud. And so uh, tonight it's not just important to know that there's freedom. And not only important to obtain freedom, but it's also important to know how to keep it and how to walk in that freedom which God has given to each one of us as his children. So we're going to return to the a passage that we read the last time, Ephesians chapter 6, regresando a Efesios capítulo 6 y el verso 10. Uh, we read these words from the Apostle Paul in which he outlines for us some of the possessions that we have as believers uh, and, and these are spiritual possessions which every believer has which are like the armor that you and I wear in this spiritual battle that we are engaged in. And so Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having gird your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which with you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Father, we thank you tonight for the presence of the Holy Spirit among us, and we thank you for your Word, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray tonight that you would speak through me, and that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the Word of God, and that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that we might hear the Word and be grown up into maturity by its truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. I want to continue where we were, but I want to review, first of all, there are six parts of the armor of God. The last time we discussed truth, righteousness, and the gospel. Hay seis partes de la armadura de Dios, y la vez pasada vimos la verdad, la justicia, y el evangelio. And we saw that the first three parts of the armor of God, the scripture says that we have them. And so it says that we have truth, we have uh, righteousness, and we have the gospel of peace. These are our possessions as children of God. Dice la escritura de esas primeras tres cosas que las tenemos. Dice, teniendo pues, teniendo la justicia, teniendo la verdad, teniendo el evangelio de paz. Eso implica que estos son posesiones del creyente. So tonight, I want you to say it again with me like we did last time. I have truth. I have righteousness. And I have peace. 
You see, those three things are yours all the time, every single moment of the day. You are indwelled by the Spirit of God, and He brings with Him all of the necessary things that you need to be able to triumph in this life. And so knowing that you have those things is important. But then the next three parts of the armor, the scripture says that we take them. And so there are three things that you have and there are three things that you take. Ahora las siguientes tres partes de la armadura, dice la escritura, que las tomamos. Las primeras tres las tenemos, pero las otras tres las, las tenemos que tomar. And so what we understand by these next three pieces of armor is that you have to engage them, all right? You have to engage them by your faith, by your life. Estas tres partes que tenemos que tomar, usted y yo las tenemos que poner en efecto, ejercer estas cosas en nuestras vidas. We have to exercise them. And so I want you to be aware of that because as far as, as a believer goes, he has the righteousness of God. Listen, there's nothing you can do to become the, the righteousness of God outside of faith in Jesus. That's already a done deal. Say amen, somebody. And the peace of God is just as much like the righteousness of God, yours. So if you feel like you need peace, you just have to walk in the possession of that peace that you already have. It is already part of you. And so it's also the, the truth. But the next three things are things we have to engage with. We have to participate in, in our Christian walk. And these are what they are. The scripture talks about faith, salvation, and the word. So I want you to say this with me. With me. I have to take up faith. I have to take up salvation. And I have to take up the word. Now you see, even that's a little harder to say. All right, There's a little bit more involved in these three things. These are weapons uh, and, and part of our armor that have to be taken by the believer. And so I want to stress that to you tonight because if there's any of these things that you seem to be lacking in your life, I just want to encourage you to take it up. It already belongs to you. It's already been assigned to you. All you have to do is take it up and, and use it, exercise it by faith. And so tonight we notice that uh, by talking about armor, we are understanding something. We are in a battle. We are in a spiritual warfare. And you may not want to be in a spiritual warfare. I don't want to be in a spiritual warfare. But we are in a spiritual warfare. Every moment of every day, the believer is engaged in the, in the good fight of faith. And so you and I have to wake up aware of this fact. I am going to have to fight the good fight of faith today. You cannot be passive about spiritual things, guys. You cannot be passive uh, about spiritual realities in your life. Usted y yo no podemos ser pasivos en nuestra vida espiritual. ¿Por qué? Porque hay una guerra espiritual continua que está ocurriendo en, los, en, en las potestades invisibles. Y aunque usted y yo no las quedamos o no las buscamos, somos parte de un mundo en el cual hay una constante guerra espiritual. Can I just encourage you with this? There's a day coming when the spiritual battle is going to be over. Say amen, somebody. There's a day coming when the Bible said Jesus is going to return and he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth and he's going to bind up the devil for a thousand years and there will be a thousand years of peace and you won't have to war against that devil anymore. 
All right? But that day hasn't come yet. Until that day comes, you better wake up with your boots on and know this is the day the Lord has made and he's given me victory for this day. He's given me the weapons for this day and he's given me the promise of his enduring presence for this day. Say amen, somebody. So I know that none of us want to be at war. It's easier to just be lazy spiritually. But passive, lazy, uninvolved Christianity leads to defeat every time. If you are not aware that you're in a battle, you're going to lose the battle. Because the devil doesn't take a day off. The devil doesn't stop. You know, we say the devil never sleeps. The devil doesn't stop. And so you and I have to always be aware there's a schemer out against you. The Bible said that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. El enemigo no duerme. El enemigo no para. Él no se detiene. Y dice la escritura que él está como un león rugiente buscando a quien devorar. Entonces usted y yo no tenemos el, 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 el privilegio de poder decir hoy no voy a pelear. Hoy no voy a eh, emprender en esta guerra espiritual. Sino que cada día tenemos que entender esta es una guerra. Yo tengo que pelear y yo tengo la victoria en Cristo Jesús. Alright, so let's look at these three parts of the armor. We go back there to verse 17. And we see there that the scripture says, pardon, verse, uh, verse 16. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith. Say that with me. Take up the shield of faith. Now listen, what is this shield of faith? If you look at a Roman soldier, his armor includes the breastplate, which we talked about, includes the belt, and includes the, the foot coverings. But there is something that he has in his hand that is called a shield. Now, the shield of a Roman soldier is a little different than maybe some of the, the shields we've seen before. Usually the shields we see are, you know, about that, that long. And you kind of hold it up and it looks kind of decorative. But really a Roman soldier's shield was a lot bigger than that. And it was big enough that if he was being shot at, he could hide behind the shield. It was something that he carried with him. And so he was able to use it in his defense. Dice la escritura que tenemos que tomar el escudo de la fe. Este escudo para un soldado romano era suficiente grande para que él se pudiera esconder detrás de ese escudo. And I just want to mention tonight how important your faith is. Now, you hear me talk about faith all the time. And so I know you're not a stranger to this. But faith is so important because it is a defense against the devil in your life. La fe es tan importante porque es una defensa, un escudo contra el enemigo en tu vida. And listen to what the scripture says there. It says, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Listen, I'm going to ask you a question, pop quiz here. How does faith come? Does anybody know how faith comes? That's right, that's a good church. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Gossip, Netflix, Hulu. No, faith comes by hearing the word of God. ¿Por dónde viene la fe? La fe no viene por el chisme, por las mentiras, por los cuentos. La fe viene por oír la palabra de Dios. And you and I have to build up our faith because it is our number one defense system 
against the weapons of the enemy. Nuestra fe es nuestra defensa en contra de las uh, esechanzas del enemigo en nuestra vida. This is the first line of defense. Now what kind of attack does the enemy use against us? The Bible calls demonic attack flaming arrows. La Biblia le llama a los ataques del enemigo como flechas de fuego. Estos son ataques que son precisos a ciertas áreas de nuestra vida. When you think about a flaming arrow, I want you to first of all think this. The enemy targets precisely. All right, el enemigo es uno que tiene una precisión en su ataque. The devil rarely attacks you with things that don't bother you. All right, the devil rarely tempts you with things that don't tempt you. If you are not tempted by alcohol, he's not going to put alcohol in front of you because that's not tempting to you. But he knows what to use against you. He knows what is tempting to you. He knows what will lure you away from God. And so his attacks are precise. He knows how to get right to the place that you are weak. And so his, his arrows are not only precise, but they are flaming arrows. What does a fire do? Listen, when an arrow lands in a place, a flaming arrow, some, some scholars think that sometimes the arrow was like a, a, a small uh, tube or reed that had fuel in it. And when that arrow crashed up against a wall or a, a, um, a shield maybe or even up against a, a, an apparatus that would, that would be used in war, that, that, that fuel would spread and the flame would engulf whatever that arrow landed up against. That's how satanic attacks work. He works with precision, but he always works for more damage. He wants to create as much damage in your life as possible. And there is a schemer out there trying to bring complete and total destruction and havoc into the lives of believers. And so these arrows can be a disaster to the opponent. And this is really what the, the arrows would do in the personal sense is that an arrow would, would lodge in a, in a soldier's shield and put the whole shield on fire. And when that shield was on fire, that soldier couldn't use it anymore. He had to throw it off. And now he had no defense. Now he was exposed to the darts of the enemy. Listen, this is what Paul is doing here. He's letting us know that the shield that you and I have is actually better than the shield of the Roman soldier. Because the Roman soldier's shield could actually burst into flames and be no longer useful. But your shield, the shield of your faith, the shield of your confidence in God is able to extinguish the darts of the enemy. It has the ability to put out the fires. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the power of your faith in God. Listen, your faith in God has the power to put out the fires in your life. It is the divine fire extinguisher that God has put into your hands. Dios ha puesto en tus manos un escudo el cual tiene el poder de apagar los fuegos uh, y la, la llama del de enemigo, del ataque del enemigo en contra de tu vida. Now here's what I want you to notice. If you go to battle with a natural shield, you're going to get those arrows burning up your, your defenses. If you go to battle trying to use the tools of the natural man and of the natural mind, 
when the enemy attacks, he's going to be able to, to take that shield out of your hand. But if you go to battle with the weapons of the Spirit, the weapons of the Spirit have the ability to put out the fires in your life. And now you begin to understand why we lose some battles because we're going to battle with, with the, uh, the, the, the weapons of the, of the world. We're going to battle with the natural weapons, with, with the ideas of man and the, the way that you used to do things. And listen, it's tempting, isn't it? When, when you get into trouble, when you get into, under some pressure, it's tempting to go back and use the old strategies. It's tempting to go back and use the old tools that you used to have. I'll mention some of them to you tonight. Some of you used to use grudges or uh, resentment to keep, to keep yourself defended against the attacks of the enemy. Others of you, maybe you would use lies or cheating to defend you against certain problems in your life. Maybe you use manipulation or the silent treatment. For others, use self-harm and self-inflicted wounds. Some use abusive speech. And so it's tempting if you're used to using certain things. Maybe it was sex or drugs or some kind of um, illicit substance. And, and when an attack came into your life, a hardship came into your life, the easiest thing to do is to go back to those old tools, to go back to that old toolbox and that old tool shed and pull out the strategies you used to have. But listen, when you do that, you're setting yourself up for failure because the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not natural. They're not carnal. They are of the spirit. And the weapons of our warfare have greater power than those old ways. The old ways are going to come under attack and they're going to be destroyed and your hands are going to leave you exposed. But when you come into an attack, you come into a battle, you bring with you the shield of faith. That ability to confidently trust in God in the midst of every storm and every affliction. Now you have a spiritual defense in your life that is able to protect you against the very fires of hell. Come on somebody. I'm talking about the power of your faith in God. Is there anybody in here who has faith in God? The Bible tells us this. Have faith in God. And we think about faith in God. Sometimes we think, well, yes, uh, I need to have faith because faith is the only way I can get things in my life. Or I need to have faith because faith is the only way I can please God. That might be true. Those are true things. But really, when you think about the warfare side of this, faith is your defense against those things. Now, I want to challenge you with this because I've been right in the same spot where, where I'm challenging you about this evening. Sometimes when we get into battle, we start talking about how we feel. Well, I feel like this. Well, I feel like that. Well, I feel this. I feel that. If you've ever said that, say amen. amen. All right, I knew I was talking to the right crowd. We always get into how we feel. In the midst of, of, of pressures, in the midst of a battle, we start thinking about how, how I feel. I feel discouraged. I feel sad. I feel like I was just let down. I feel like I've been neglected. I feel like God doesn't listen. I feel like nobody cares. I feel like nobody understands. When you get into that place, you need to turn off the fields and just say, wait a minute, forget about how I feel. What do I believe? Okay, because how I feel is going to catch fire under the darts of the enemy. 
I've got to go to a higher level of understanding, a higher level of knowledge. The knowledge that comes from within me is death to me. But there is knowledge that comes from above, knowledge that comes from the heart of God, the Word of God that is able to build up faith. And when you start asking those questions, wait a minute, what do I believe? I believe that God heals the sick. I believe that God can raise the dead. I believe that God can meet my needs. I believe that God can turn things around. I believe that if God did it once, he can do it again. Come on, somebody. I believe that God is with me, and if God be for me, then who can be against me? And now you're walking in faith. Now you are able to defend against the schemes of the devil in your life. That shield is your first line of defense. It is your guard. And so don't let your faith down. Listen, don't put your faith aside because you know when you need faith, you don't really need a lot of faith when everything's going your way. It doesn't take too much faith when you got a big bonus check, you bought everybody the Christmas gift they wanted, and you know, you, you paid for the big family holiday, and you went on vacation. It doesn't take a lot of faith for those things. It doesn't take much faith to sit on the beach, sip lemon tea, and uh, enjoy life, but it's going to take some faith when the bombs are dropping. It's going to take some faith when all of hell is breaking in on you and it seems like God isn't showing up on time. That's when you're going to need to know in whom you have believed and what it is that you have trusted in and to know that I didn't build my faith on some flimsy man-made agenda or argument, but I built my faith on the rock-solid Word of God, a God who cannot lie, a God who is never late, a God who always comes through and who keeps His Word. Come on, somebody. If you build your faith on that, you're going to be able to stand against the fiery darts of the devil. So listen, it doesn't do you any good to stop telling the devil not to shoot at you because he's going to shoot at you whether you like it or not. And it doesn't do you any good to cry about it when he shoots at you or to say, why me? What you need to do is put up the shield of faith. Put up that shield of faith which is able to protect against the schemes of the devil. The Bible tells us that this shield is able to deflect. It's able to push away, to extinguish the fiery darts of the devil. Now, I want you to notice what happens in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. Simon Peter is in Jesus' inner circle. You guys have heard of Simon Peter, right? And Simon Peter was one of the inner circle of Jesus. And he had just made a statement that was so profound Jesus had just been transfigured before Simon Peter. And, and, uh, and all of these wonderful things are going on in Simon Peter's life. And then as, as a little bit of time passed, Jesus uh, is about to go to Jerusalem. And his, his uh, life is about to be offered on the cross. And the Bible says that the Lord looked at Simon Peter and he said, Simon, Simon, the devil has desired to sift you like wheat. He has a strategy against you, Simon. Simon, the devil wants to destroy your faith. He wants to destroy your confidence. Now, notice what Jesus said. What did the devil want to do to Simon Peter? He wanted to sift him. Now, in those days, sifting, you would take wheat and you would sift it. And the way that wheat was sifted was, first of all, they would throw the wheat on a hard surface called a threshing floor, and they would have an ox walk over it or a cart uh, driven over it, and that would crush the wheat. 
And then they would take that crushed wheat and they would throw it up into the ground, into the air. And a big fan would be blowing. Don't you think like this big electric fan that you have in your shop, all right? This is just a, a fan in someone's hand. And when that when the wind would come through that, through that chaff and through that grain, the wind would blow away the, the, the little paper shell that was around the wheat. And the heavier part of the wheat, the grain, the part with which you could actually make something, would fall to the ground. And that's what sifting was. It was a breaking down. It was a throwing up. It was a blowing away. And then it was a grinding of that wheat. And this is what Satan wanted to do to Simon Peter. He wanted to break him down. And then he wanted to blow him away. That is Satan's strategy for the believer. He wants to break you down. And then he wants to blow you away. And Jesus said, Satan is desired to sift you like wheat. But here's the good news. He said to Simon Peter, but, somebody say but. Aren't you glad God has something to say about the matter? Uh, you know, if it was just that, the end of the story, it's, it's, let's all go home. It's the most depressing sermon I ever heard. But Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. Somebody ought to get excited tonight because Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is interceding before God the Father on your behalf. I don't know if you know that or not, but Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and all day, every day, he's saying, Lord, help Isaac. Lord, help Isaac. Lord, help Isaac. Lord, help Isaac. And he's praying for you. He's interceding for you. Jesus said, I have prayed for you. What did he pray for? That your faith fail not. Simon I'm praying for you that you don't lose your faith. He didn't say, I'm praying for you that you not be sifted. Oh, man, that's kind of what I was hoping for, Pastor. I was hoping that Jesus would blow Satan away. I didn't pray that you would not go through the hardship or the trial. I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. Now, what is God up to here? He says, Simon, I prayed for you. That you would endure this, this trial, this hardship in your life so that when you're restored, so that when you're converted, you can help your brothers. So that you can help somebody else. And you see, not only is your, te your, your faith going to be uh, put up against this hardship, but you know that when, when you endure the test of faith, the outcome is that you are now stronger and you are now able to help somebody else. You're now able to defend somebody else and help somebody else get through their hardship. And he says, Simon, when you're converted, when you're restored, when you're, when you're over this, this valley that you're about to go into, use that knowledge, use that grace, use that experience to go in and help somebody else. And you know that this shield, the shield of faith, is a corporate weapon. And that means that it's not just used for me personally. But the shield of faith, when the Roman soldiers would get into, into a battle, they would, they would stand close enough together where their shields produced a wall. And then they could hide behind that wall. And then another one would stand uh, between them who would hold up the shield above them. And so now they had a wall in front of them and they had a, a covering over them. And so as those fiery darts came against them, they were protected against the attack of the enemy. That's what happens when you and I, as the body of Christ, come in together. We, we, hold, we pull the ranks in together when we come under attack. 
You see, if you come under attack and you're alone, you're going to be exposed. But you need a Bible church. You need a place where the word of God is taught and where faith is preached and where prayer is, is lifted up before God. Because when we come together, we hold the ranks and we hold up our faith together. We, come, we become a wall of defense around those around us who don't have any defense. And we hold up that shield of faith that says, you know what? If God did it for me, I know God can do it for you. And if God healed over here, I know God can heal over there. Come on, somebody. It's a corporate weapon. So my faith encourages your faith and your faith encourages my faith and we go on together as the body of Christ as I shared with you a, a couple Sundays ago we go on together as that fellowship of the robe as that body of believers who've come together in a common faith the Bible says we have like precious faith we have believed in Jesus we have trusted in Jesus and we have pulled together as the body of of Christ. This past week, that uh, is essentially what the Lord had me doing up in Kansas City, was going around my friends and around my family and saying, look, we're going to pull together and our faith is going to build on one another. We're going to see God work through this hard time and bring about his glorious purpose. You know how much power you have? You don't have to preach a sermon. All you have to do is show up with your faith. Come on, somebody. You don't have to be the one leading worship. Just bring some faith. Because when you come into this house and you bring faith with you, faith is able to move mountains and is able to destroy and extinguish the darts that the enemy rolls or throws against our life. So I ask you again, do you have faith in God? Listen, I don't care if you have faith in yourself. That's important. That's good. But that's not going to extinguish the arrows. And, and it doesn't really matter how much faith you have in faith itself. Because faith can't save you. It's faith in God that saves. It's faith in God that is that defense that is able to, uh, to strengthen the whole body of Christ. Even when we are sifted by moments of affliction or darkness. Now let's go to the next Part of this armor. We have here the helmet of salvation. How important is your head? Anybody know how important your head is? It's very important, right? It, it's so important because it, it, it's where you keep your hair, right? And that's the part of you you want everybody to see, right? No, your head is the command center of your whole body. Tell your neighbor, don't lose your head. Do you know what happens when you go to battle without a helmet? You're going to lose your head. Si usted va a la batalla sin el, uh, la coraza, usted va a perder su cabeza. Y, y la cabeza es tan importante porque es el centro de las decisiones de tu vida. I have seen people survive without a lot of things, but I've never seen anybody survive without a head. You have to have a head. You know, in the cartoons, I've even seen heads survive without a body. It's in the cartoons. But do you know that the enemy is after your head? He wants to take your head from you. And really, ultimately, what I want you to see here is that that, that head covering is your salvation. The salvation 
of your soul and my soul that has been provided to us by God is the helmet that you and I wear. And nobody is born with this helmet. You have to take it. You have to receive the saving grace of God in your life. And so if you have received Jesus as your Savior, what you did when you said yes to Jesus was you put on the helmet of salvation. You put on the greatest defense against the enemy because, you see, he can't take your head. If you're in Christ, he can't take your life. He can't take who you are. You have become identified with Christ. And ultimately, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the head of the body. And so when you and I got saved, we came under the lordship and the headship of Jesus. That means now Jesus is calling the shots. Now Jesus is the one who is making the decisions in our life and for our life. And the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, that this helmet of salvation is the hope of salvation. It is the hope that you and I have in knowing that I am right with God. That I have been saved by grace through faith. And the Bible says that's not of myself so that I won't boast. But it is a free gift of God. Listen, there are three hopes you and I have. First of all, and I, and I want to share this with you again, although I've shared it many times with you before. First of all, the hope of salvation is that we are justified by God. Say, I am justified. When you gave your life to Christ, you became Justified before God. Esta es la esperanza de la salvación. Primero, que somos justificados. Usted hoy puede decir, yo estoy justificado. ¿Qué significa la justificación? Significa que usted ha sido declarado justo por Dios. Justification means that you have been declared righteous by God. You have been declared righteous so that when God looks at you, he no longer sees your sin. He now sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus. Say amen, somebody. Isn't that good news? You are justified. And this hope of salvation is that you and I were not justified by our own good works. We weren't justified by our own merit, our own strength. We're justified by simple faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so if you've done that, you can say, I am justified. Say it again. I am justified. But then there's the next hope of salvation, and that is I am being sanctified. Say that with me. I am being sanctified. Listen, as far as God is concerned, as far as justification is concerned, you are perfect before God. But as far as you and I are concerned here on the earth, we are being perfected. You see, God is bringing your life in alignment with your spiritual life. He's bringing your, inner man, your outer man in alignment with your inner man. In the same way that God has made you perfect in the spirit, God has, wants to make you perfect in the natural. He wants to make you perfect in your daily walk and your daily life. That's called sanctification. And that is the hope that you and I have that God is at work in our life today. Listen, if I didn't believe that, I would be so discouraged, I wouldn't get up in the morning. To believe that there was no way to get any better, no way to grow, no way to improve, that is a, a despairing life. But, but you know, God is at work in your life today by the Spirit to make you more like Jesus. 
And so if you will get up every day and walk toward a life uh, full of the glory of God, you'll, become, you'll begin to see more and more and more you are becoming more like Jesus. More like Jesus in the way you think, in the way you act, the way you speak, the way you plan things. And the character of Jesus is being shaped in us every single day. We are being sanctified. La segunda esperanza de la salvación es que so, estamos siendo santificados. Todos los días el Espíritu Santo está obrando en nosotros para santificar nuestra vida. Para hacernos más y más como Jesús. Para formar nuestro carácter que sea más como Jesús. So let me just think, get you to think about it like this. Next time somebody cuts you off on the highway, it may not be a demon, all right? It might just be the Lord is trying to sanctify you. It's trying to make you a little bit more like Jesus. Nobody said amen. Uh, and maybe the next time you have a rude waiter or waitress that is just uh, not, not getting the job done, you might, just, you might just realize this is not the devil sending flaming darts at me. He is just the Lord sending a little sandpaper into my life to get some rough edges off of me. You know, there are some people in your life that are sandpaper for your life. You say, I know, Pastor, I can feel it. But you see, God is at work sanctifying your life, sanctifying your character, sanctifying your thoughts, sanctifying your emotions, because he wants to make you like Jesus. And there, there was an old uh, chorus we used to sing when I was a kid, he's still working on me. You see how much hope there is in that? I may have messed up yesterday. I may not have gotten it all right, but today's a new day. And he's still working on me. He's still bringing things out of my life. That's why sometimes he allows pressure to come into your life. Because there's things going on in your heart that you don't know about. Things that he wants to work out of you. And you really don't know what's under the surface of the soil until a plow of hardship comes in there and turns things around. And when those things turn around, you start to realize, I didn't know I still had that in there. I didn't know that was still going on in my spirit. But the Holy Spirit loves you too much to just let you sit there and be that old man you used to be. He wants you to be a new man, a new woman, a new creation in Christ. So we are being sanctified. But guess what? The third hope of salvation is that we will be glorified. La tercera esperanza de la salvación es que vamos a ser glorificados. Say that with me. I will be glorified. Guess what? There's a day coming when your justification and your sanctification are going to meet. And you're going to be just like Jesus. And you will be glorified. And when you and I are glorified, that means our, our nature will be like the nature of Christ. And our physical body will be like the physical glorified body of Jesus. So guess what? Your glorified man will no longer need to lie or cheat or steal or be ashamed or any of those old things. That's all done away with. Say amen, somebody. But then your glorified body is going to be perfect. No more gray hairs, say amen, somebody. No more wrinkles, no more bulges, no more overweight, no more sickness, no more disease. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the hope of your future. That's where you're headed. 
And you say, well, pastor, what if I die before I get there? Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Because on the resurrection day, Jesus is going to take your dead body and resurrect it in glorious, glorious life. And you're going to be like Jesus, alive eternally in the presence of God and in the presence of the saints. I am justified. I am being sanctified. I will be glorified. Say it again. I am justified. I will be, I am being sanctified. I will be glorified. That's the hope of salvation. So when you have the helmet of salvation on, you can keep your head. And when the devil comes and reminds you of your past, it just can't get to your head. Because you are wearing the saving grace of God on your life. Now we have the third thing here, and that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you have to take the shield of faith, and you have to take the helmet of salvation, and you have to take the sword of the Spirit. You have to take this, this last weapon, which is the Word of God, you have to physically exercise the Word of God in your life. Listen, when you and I are, are in, in spiritual battle, our weapon of offense, all these other weapons I've talked about are defensive, but our only weapon of offense is the Word of God. How many of you would like to gain some new ground in your life? If you're going to gain new ground in your life, God has given you one weapon. And it's the sword of the Spirit. God's word is a sword in your hand. God's word is a sword in your mouth. Listen, let me just tell you how powerful this sword is. In the, in the last book of the Bible, the apostle John saw the final battle when Jesus comes back to the earth in the second coming. And I want you to imagine this. In that battle, all of the armies of the earth have come up, up, up against uh, Jesus and you can imagine all of the missiles and all of the uh, uh, bombs and all of the warfare that's waged against Jesus. And then Jesus comes with uh, uh, the glorious church behind him to bring uh, his kingdom to the earth. And all he does is open his mouth. And when he opens his mouth, his words bring a complete and utter defeat to all of the armies of the evil one. Come on, somebody. This is the same word that's in your mouth. I said it's the same word that's in your mouth. That's why the devil doesn't want the word in your mouth. Because he doesn't want the power of the word of God coming out of your mouth. You have the sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God. And it is so powerful that the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is able to divide between the soul and the spirit as between the bone and the marrow. Listen, this Word is so, so sharp. It's so precise. It's like a surgeon's knife, like a surgeon's scalpel. The Word of God is able to discern your thoughts. It's able to read your mind. You don't read the Bible. The Bible reads you. 
And when the word of God reads you, it starts sifting through your life. That's garbage. This is good. That's bad. That's why you need to be in the word. Because the word of God will cleanse your life. It will wash through your life. It is living and active. It's, it's alive. Listen. When you are going through a hard time, no one ever thinks to read, Oh, Romeo, oh, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Because those words of Shakespeare are dead words. They have no life. They have no power. But the word of God is active. It's alive. And... Thousands of years later, it's still bringing life to the hearts of men and still bringing hope to hopeless hearts because it is the living Word of God. The Word of God is so powerful that it created the world. It is so powerful that it will destroy the armies of the evil one in the end. And it is God's gift to you. He has put it in your hands. He has put it in your mouth. And so he says, take up the shield of faith. Take up the helmet of salvation. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then he adds this last weapon right here, verse 18. And with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. How? How? In the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf also. Look at how Paul wraps this up. He says, when you get that word in your mouth, pray. Pray. Prayer is a weapon God has given to the church. He's given to the saints. He says, when you pray, pray in the spirit. Did you know there's a difference between praying in the natural and praying in the spirit? You see, your mind can pray, and God will hear those prayers. Thank God he will. But there's a prayer level that you can go to that's beyond what you know, beyond what you understand, beyond what you see. Sometimes we call it discernment. Sometimes we call it the prophetic utterance. Sometimes we call it the word of knowledge or the word of faith. Whatever you want to call it, it's the power of the Spirit praying through the life of the believer. And when you and I begin to pray in the Spirit, we're praying according to the will of God and according to the mind of God. And when the word of God in your mouth comes into your prayer life, you have an atomic bomb of divine power that God has brought into your life that you might manifest his will and his glory in the most difficult circumstances of your life. Is it any wonder that when Satan tempted Jesus, he came to Jesus and he said, if you're the son of God, and how did Jesus respond? It is written. He pulled out the sword of the Spirit. He pulled out the Word of God. And he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So don't, don't stand down when the enemy attacks. Stand up and take the Word of God and wage war against the kingdom of darkness. 
The word of God is truth. The word of God is light. The word of God is power. The word of God is in your mouth as a saint of God, as a child of God. And when you pray according to the word of God and in the spirit, you're praying with power and with authority, such as the kingdom of darkness has no defense against. Would you stand with me tonight? I want us to spend these next few moments in prayer. I want you to just take this opportunity to lift up your shield of faith. Because you know some of you have put your shield of faith down. You've gone through some moments in life that were so bitter, so difficult, you just stopped believing. You just stopped trusting. Tonight I charge you as a servant of the living God, pick up the shield of faith. It is your defense against lies of the enemy, against the schemes of the devil, against the fiery darts of hell. Pick up the shield of faith. Let the word of God generate faith on the inside of you. And, and you know, can I just tell you this? If you say, Pastor, I don't feel like I have any faith. I don't feel like I have any, any trust anymore. I don't feel like I have anything left in the tank. Can I just tell you that the Holy Spirit on the inside of the believer is a spirit of faith. And the Holy Spirit will bring faith into your life when you don't have any. So just begin to pray in the Spirit and watch how He builds up your faith. So take up the shield of faith. And friend, if you aren't a believer tonight, say yes to Jesus. Make Him the Lord of your life. You need the helmet of salvation. And take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and just fill your mouth with God's Word and with God's truth. Right where you are, just lift your hands tonight and realize this. You are dressed in power. You are dressed in victory. The armor of God is so complete. It is so full that God says if you will wear it, you will stand up against the hardest days of your life. You will stand against the strategy of the devil. And listen, when the devil sees you dressed in the armor of God, he can't tell the difference between you and Jesus. Because he sees the righteousness of Jesus dressing your life. Come on, just right where you are, begin to open your mouth with prayer, with petitions before God. Let, let's just begin to pray in the spirit tonight. Pray through the victory that God wants you to have for your family, for your marriage, for your life. Almighty God, you said to call upon you. You said come to you with boldness, with confidence. And this is our confidence tonight. We have a faith that is in a God who cannot lie. You said that if we had even the faith the size of a mustard seed, that we would speak to that mountain that was before us and cause it to be removed and cast into the sea. We declare tonight in the name of Jesus our trust is not in men. Our trust is not in doctors. Our trust is not in our circumstances. Our trust is in God. We say with Cedric, Meshach, and Abednego, our God is able to deliver us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. We will not yield. We will not give up. We will not give in. We will trust in the Lord. Oh God, tonight we stand and see the deliverance of our God. That he is able... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just wage war in the spirit. Wage war in the spirit tonight.